Hi, welcome to episode four of the Behind the Backdrop podcast. I'm Ben Sanford. And I'm Nicole Sanford. And in this episode, we'll be discussing and analyzing the influence and discography of Harry Styles. Today we are doing our first special on the podcast. Although Behind the Backdrop is primarily about musical theater, Nicole and I decided we wanted to make every fourth episode about something different that we are especially passionate about. We are thrilled to be talking about one of our favorite artists, Harry Styles. In this episode, we'll start with an overview of Harry's childhood and audition for X Factor, the era of One Direction, his personality and public persona as a one-man singer-songwriter in the last five years since the end of One Direction, and then some notable interviews that showcase who Harry is and what he emanates to his fans. Finally, we'll end with a discussion and analysis of Harry's two albums, the self-titled Harry Styles and Fine Line. Harry Edward Styles was born on February 1st, 1994 to Anne Cox and Desmond Styles in Redditch, England. Harry then grew up in Cheshire with his older sister Gemma and both his parents. When he was seven, Harry's parents divorced. Harry is famously known to have worked at W. Manville Bakery in Holmes Chapel. At a young age, he was also the lead singer of his own band, White Eskimo. His mother remarried a man named Robin Twist, who later died of cancer in 2017. Harry then dedicated the song Ever Since New York to his late stepfather. Harry then went on to audition for X Factor as a solo contestant in April 2010, singing Stevie Wonder's Isn't She Lovely. Although Harry was almost cut from boot camp and eliminated from the singing show, Simon Cowell decided he and four other solo artists, Niall Horan, Liam Payne, Louis Tomlinson, and Zayn Malik, should be joined together to create a five-member band, which became One Direction, the name being Harry's idea. After gaining popularity and making it as Simon Cowell's last act in the competition, One Direction finished third with Rebecca Ferguson being the runner-up and Matt Cardle winning the season. Following the end of their season on X Factor, One Direction soon became a global pop sensation. Their debut song, What Makes You Beautiful, was released in 2011 and reached number one on the UK singles chart that year. Two months after their single, they released their debut album, Up All Night. This album reached number one in the US, making One Direction the first UK group to achieve this. After their success with Up All Night, One Direction released their following albums, Take Me Home, Midnight Memories, Four, and finally, Made in the AM. During this time, the band toured essentially non-stop, writing their last four albums at least partially on tour. During their On the Road Again tour for their fourth album, Zayn Malik suddenly and surprisingly left the band, leaving the other four members to finish the tour and the next album on their own. Following the release of Made in the AM, Harry, Niall, Louie, and Liam announced that they were going to be taking an 18-month hiatus from the band, but planned to return and make more music. That year-and-a-half-long hiatus turned into almost five years, and the band has still not returned. Every member of the band has now released one or more albums of their own. Since the end of One Direction in 2015, Harry began his solo career in 2016, writing and recording what would become his debut album. Signed with Columbia Records, Harry released his debut single, Sign of the Times, in April 2017. A month later, he released his self-titled record, Harry Styles, which was written primarily in Jamaica. The album received pretty decent reviews, especially for a first album, and soared to the top of charts. About six months after the release of the album, he began his first ever solo tour, titled Harry Styles Live on Tour. The tour lasted from September 2017 to July 2018. Following the end of his tour, Harry stayed pretty quiet about the music he was writing, only tweeting every few months on big holidays. 
In early May 2019, Harry hosted the Met Gala with Lady Gaga, Alessandro Michele, and Serena Williams. After the Met Gala, Harry went dark. In late August of 2019, a Rolling Stones article came out, which made his fans even more eager for a new album. In early October, Harry released his new single, Lights Up, followed by Watermelon Sugar and Adore You. His second studio album, titled Fine Line, was then released in mid-December. Harry said he wrote most of this album in Japan and Malibu, California. Okay, so before we go into his actual albums, let's talk about some of his most notable interviews. So the four interviews we think best showcase who Harry Styles is as a person and a musician are his short documentary called Harry Styles Behind the Album, which was released in March of 2017, his Rolling Stones interview, which was released in August 2019, his interview with Zane Lowe, which came out in October of last year, and then the interview with Howard Stern, which was released just last March. We also encourage you to check out his NPR Tiny Desk concert on YouTube if you haven't already. So then the first thing that I noticed with the Harry Styles Behind the Album documentary was that I really liked the way he played with his songs. The documentary is basically, uh, it cuts between videos of him kind of jamming out to his album and videos of him in an interview and I the moments where he's just playing his music is are some of my favorites because it feels very free and like he's kind of just still messing around with his songs there aren't exactly like how they sound on the album they sort of are slightly different and like he's just having fun and doing his own thing with them and he's not worried about like being exactly like how they sound on the album yeah so, it feels like another sound of the album yeah. like another version of the album right kind of. yeah I also really liked what he talked about One Direction for a little bit in there, and I really liked what he said about it. He talked about how he doesn't feel like he needs to apologize for the band or like he doesn't look at it as a childish experience yeah. of like he doesn't regret it or put One Direction down. He talks about how much he enjoyed it and how much he liked the music he was making and just had a great time. And I thought that that was a really good way to talk about it. I feel like a lot of people in his shoes and honestly, some of the other members of One Direction even, especially Zane, like kind of put down the experience and don't let it be a fond memory. And they're like, oh, that wasn't really me. Or that right. was when I was a kid. And he's like, no, I had a blast. Like, that I was genuinely... a party. I'm moving on and I'm growing up and I'm doing different things. But that was so much fun. Yeah. Also, even though he was probably doing some other smaller interviews at the time to kind of prep for his album... I feel like this is the first more professionally done interview that showcased him as a solo artist when he was first releasing everything as separate from One Direction. And what I like about what he talks about in this documentary is that he doesn't want everyone to know everything about him, and he kind of felt that way more when he was in One Direction. And he just talks about how he wants to let the music do the talking versus his interviews or other ways of getting to know him, I guess, in the, as a celebrity in the public eye. And even though he doesn't want everybody to know everything about him, he isn't afraid to be open and real in his music. So I feel like that is just a cool thing about him as a person and as a musician. And I like that he talks about that in this documentary. Yeah, I also like that it, to me at least... Music is one of the best ways to convey emotion. And so the fact that he's like, okay, well, I don't want to talk about all my relationships and personal experiences and my hardships in an interview because it feels sort of impersonal, but being able to craft them and do them my own way or his own way is, I think, really unique. And honestly, 
is going to help more people and impact more people. And it's, it's going to be more effective overall than just, here's what happened. Here's what I was sad about when I wrote this song, like feeling the song and knowing what it's about are two completely different things. And I think that him choosing to put his life story in his music and not necessarily in interviews is totally understandable and like works really well. And the way that he can communicate that he's not afraid to talk about his experiences and his life and relationships to be able to talk about that through music and be open about it but maybe his preference is not to talk about it in interviews he communicates that so well Mm -hmm. especially being in the public eye also he talks a lot about that in the zane lowe interview too when he talks about fine line and it's cool to see that kind of come full circle again with his second album yeah and what i really like about the zane lowe interview is that you really just get the sense that harry is just trying to live his life to the fullest and he's just trying to like experience his happiness and experience his pain and kind of let it all hit him and let himself create art through that. And he's not trying to run from anything in his life or he's not trying to like hide anything. And I feel like that's such a good attitude of like, let yourself feel things and just do what you want to an extent and just try your best to do what is best for you. And that's what he does. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons he is a really good role model is because he leads by doing that by example. He's not preaching anything or trying to be like, well, blah, 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 blah. I think you should do this. He just kind of lives his life. And I think that trying to live your life the same way he does is a good thing. It's not obviously don't be Harry Styles, but if you just kind of let yourself be and, and, let yourself feel pain and feel happiness, you're going to turn out really well. Yeah. And I feel like he has a lot of wisdom, but he doesn't feel like he needs to be preaching that to other people. And even just because he's a celebrity doesn't mean he thinks that everybody should be doing life the way that he does it. But another thing that stuck out to me specifically in this interview was the way that he talked about therapy. And he talks about how he's grown as a person, as cliche as that sounds, but he talks about how he was just skeptical about therapy at first and felt like a lot of people were going to therapy and it wasn't really something that he needed and then that ended up changing and he's actually gotten a lot out of it so just things like that where he just talks about his experience and he's just like this is what it was for me I was kind of skeptical and then I changed my mind that there's no pressure to be like I think every person should go to therapy or I think every person should not go to therapy yeah he's just saying I don't know. I didn't really think much of it. And then I realized that it actually did help me a lot. And then I feel like people, so many people can look to that and be like, maybe Um, therapy would be good for me. Maybe it wouldn't be. Right. I also think that the way he talks about his friendships is really sweet. He talks about how he feels like real friendship is built on vulnerability and basically just talks about how opening up with people is how he builds his relationships. And I think that translates into his music. Yeah. And just like the essence of him as a celebrity and just as a person. Yeah, he does seem very down to earth and like he wants to just have good people in his life. He's not, there's nothing, there's no status that he needs or he doesn't feel like he's trying to be like this famous celebrity. He just feels like I'm trying to find people I like and make music with them and have a good time. And I, I love that. But it's also interesting because I feel like he does kind of like it. Yeah, and, and they talk about that in the Rolling Stones interview, too. Yeah. Um, one of the lines that the writer of the article said was, like, he has been the it boy for about a decade now, and he loves that fact. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. He's a very influential person, and I don't think that he should feel the need to run from that or dislike that. But he still feels 
really down to earth and caring and like he's just trying to do his thing and do it well but he also likes that he can wear fancy clothes and release music and have sold out stadiums like I'm sure that must be fun and it seems like he thinks that's fun and loves that and I don't think there's anything wrong with that no because I feel like people could take it the opposite way and be too modest and be like oh no 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 I'm not that stylish or I'm not that good at singing or writing music and it's like he doesn't deny when also when people compliment him He's just like, thank you so much. Yeah. Like that. He like, seems just grateful he just and seems, appreciative and like, thanks. Yeah. And he's probably like, I wrote a good song. I, yeah. I have a good album. I have good style. But he doesn't, one, he doesn't rub it in people's faces. And two, he doesn't overdo the thanking for it. Right. He does. And it just, doesn't feel like he's like, I know it is. Like my album slaps. I'm super proud of it. All the, like, obviously he can say he's proud of it, but he's like, thank you. It's not arrogant. And when he talks about it, he's like, I worked really hard on it and I had a blast making it and I like the songs on it and it just feels really like yeah that's a good response and he's also there is this really cute moment in the Zane Lowe interview where he was talking about a story when he was just getting when they were just getting found out with One Direction and somebody recognized him and they were like oh hey are you that kid on X Factor and he was like I am that kid (laughs) on X Factor where it just is like that moment of like well, okay then, yeah. Like, I'm kind of making it a little bit, even yeah. though I, like, we just became this new band and they hadn't even gone through all the success that they were gonna go yeah. through. It's just, it's just sweet, the way that he, I don't know, kind of talks about his fame and also talks about the more down-to-earth aspects of just, like, being a person and mm-hmm. writing about his life. Also, in the Rolling Stone interview... They mention Van Morrison and Joni Mitchell as his heroes, and they also talk about Stevie Nicks, but I just want to plug Van Morrison and Joni for a minute because we totally grew up on Van Morrison. Some of you may know that we went to Ireland a few years ago, and that Ireland trip was basically just because my dad loves Van Morrison and is obsessed with Van Morrison, and Van Morrison's Irish and writes a lot of his songs about places in Ireland, and so we were like, let's go see all the places, and Van Morrison is like... As long as I can remember, Van Morrison has been playing when I wake up and mm-hmm. like bopping throughout the morning time and my dad's always listening to him. So especially Van Morrison, but also some Joni Mitchell are super influential in our childhood. For us growing up with dad and having him play Astro Weeks, and I think that's one of dad's favorite albums, and mm-hmm. then have Harry be like, yep, Astro Weeks is pretty much one of the most influential albums and Blue are two of the most influential albums for Harry. It's just fun to have all the worlds. Yeah. Kind of come together. The Rolling Stones article is really unique. And I think that the whoever wrote it did a very good job with it and just made it flow so naturally. And you just feel like you understand who Harry is, kind of. At the beginning of the article, they talk about how Harry has, like, this weird, casual, but kind of bougie outfit on. And I feel like that fits him so well that it's, like, he's definitely not dressed down. He's not wearing sweatpants and a sweatshirt. But he's also not in a suit. He has this weird style that just fits him. And he looks so comfortable, but he still is like, looks good. And I think that that really fits him as a person. And I really like that about him. And it doesn't feel try hard. Not at all. But I feel like it would be try hard for most people. He also challenges stereotypes of men in general, of men needing to be emotionless or not have a feminine side. But he, again, he doesn't make it seem like he's better than other guys because he goes to therapy 
and there's some stereotype that like guys don't go to therapy if that's a thing yeah it's not like he's like oh i'm painting my nails for a statement he's like oh i like my nails when they look pink so i'm gonna do that right and it just works it just just, works yeah yeah and they talk about that in the um in the howard stern interview as well they were asking him questions about his outfits and why he kind of dresses like that and he was like i don't know i haven't really thought about it that much i just kind of like dressing like that it just feels me and it's like period like yes that's the way it should be like he's not trying to make some giant statement or do anything crazy he's just like yeah i just like those clothes also howard stern is such a different interviewer than zane low like (laughs) night and day and what's really cool to me about this interview is that i have mixed feelings about howard stern as an interviewer i think he is really good at asking tougher questions or just bluntly stating questions that maybe other interviewers would kind of dance around. And I think that can go right or wrong. Like right. sometimes you're just pushing the boundaries a little bit and it's sometimes like, it's you... like, shut up, dude. Yeah. But sometimes it's like, okay, like I got a good answer from that. So. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And I think that Howard is genuinely just curious and asking questions. Right. Like he's I don't not trying to be, he's like, not trying to be controversial or like invasive. But what I love about what I think this interview does in terms of showcasing who Harry is, is that Howard says things where it seems like he's trying to kind of aggravate Harry or say things in an aggressive way to try to get something out of him or get him to put somebody down or say a negative thing. And every single time, Harry just answers calmly the way that he would answer any question. And the way that Harry answers the questions in Zane Lowe's interview is the same way that he answers questions in Howard Stern, right. and they are completely different interviewers. Right, so Zane Lowe is like, wow, dude, I love your work, like, amazing, and basically starts off being like, Harry, I agree with you, what do you, would talk more about this, and Howard, like, says these, like, really blunt, like, point-blank statements, and then Harry's like, um, no, not really. And he's blah, not blah, afraid, blah, blah, blah. He's not afraid not, to disagree with right, Howard. But he doesn't do it rudely. He's not like, no, this is what I think. He's like, um, I don't know. I'd probably say blah, 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 which yeah. I really like, especially when he was talking about Howard asked him about his parents being divorced a lot of times or a few times. And at one point he said some kind of aggressive statement of like, did your parents getting divorced screw up your view of marriage that you never think that anyone could be together forever like do you not want to get married and he was like no they didn't work out they both loved and supported me so that is okay and And as you get older you start to understand how relationships work and how they're complicated and i would love he basically says i would love to one day maybe be married and have a family but i adore my mom and i love my dad and my stepdad and he just like very calmly he was says, just like, mm, nope. no, I think that I think I'm okay with that. And Howard's like, okay. And what I don't like about Howard is the way that he asks the questions yeah. more than I dislike the questions themselves, because I feel like the way Howard goes about it is asserting things about Harry that may or may not be true so that Harry can either confirm or deny it instead of just asking him what his experience is. Right. So he's like, Harry, so it seems like your life is like this. And then Harry goes, yes or no. And then he's like, oh, well, what about this experience? I bet this was like this for you. And then he's like, "Mm, yeah, or no. Instead of saying, what was this experience like for you? How has your parents' relationship impacted you? Has it impacted you? That, to me, just feels way more open and genuinely 
wanting to just hear whatever the answer is going to be instead of asserting something and then making Harry either confirm or deny it. Right. I also, sometimes I just, the way Howard would say things would be weird. I know they talked about women a lot and, and they were, and Howard was like, Harry, you must be getting so many women all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. how could you ever be monogamous? Like, you just need to, I bet you're just hopping from girl to girl and Harry. How could you ever see yourself in a committed relationship? Right. And Harry was like, I don't know. I just, that's what I value. And Howard was like, but you're good looking, you're talented, you're famous, you're rich. And Harry was like, yeah. I try to keep that out of it, kind of. <laughs> and then yeah. I just think that the way Harry handled it said a lot about who he is. And he didn't get shut down um, or, like, rude or anything. And every time that Howard would say anything nice to him about his band or his song, he just seemed so genuine and, like, grateful and just, like, yeah, And I do think you. that Howard actually does respect him a lot. 100%. I think he's just abrasive. Because he compliments him yeah. a lot in many and different ways. And his band members, the drummer and the both the pianists and it's like and it's interesting i think there's a generational thing too because he howard's older and then harry is kind of i think in his eyes this like young punk like boy band boy kind of yeah and so he's like so tell me what it's like to be 24 like i haven't been there in so long i'm this old man (laughs) not old man no he says that though yeah he's basically just like i'm in a different place in life like tell me what it's like to have all the girls and harry is so mature (laughs) And he's just like, oh, I don't know. And it works well. Yeah, totally. I also want to just briefly talk about Harry's acting process. He was just in the one movie, Dunkirk, which is fantastic. But he said in the Howard Stern interview that he didn't even practice his lines out loud before filming. He just memorized them, knew when he had to say them, and then said them for the first time on set. And I thought that was really interesting. Obviously, I do a lot of shows myself. Nicole has done theater in the sort of distant past. Uh, but That's um, generous. <laughs> but it just, I've never heard that. Like, for me, at least, the process is, like, memorizing your lines constantly out loud and drilling them in your brain and by saying them out loud. And I guess that's probably different with theater than movies because inherently you say them over and over again because you do the show many times. But it was just really interesting to me that the way Harry talked about his experience with Dunkirk and how appreciative he was of it and how he didn't want to be like this standout star of the movie. He just wanted to blend in with the movie like everyone else. And I think he did that really well. If you watch the movie, you don't really notice like, oh, there's Harry Styles. You're just like, oh, like he blends in well and that it's so good. Also, he talks about in both Zane Lowe and Howard that he did this movie because he wanted to, not because he felt like he needed to do another project or he wanted more publicity. He just did it because he was passionate about the project and he was like, I really want to be a part of this. And I think Zane asked him, do you think you'll do more acting? And he was basically like, if there's something that I really want to be a part of, then yes. But if I have an extra year open that I'm not touring or writing constantly. I'm not just going to do a movie because I'm available. Right. I'm not going to like just do something just to be an actor. Also in the Zane Lowe interview, he talks about songwriting being kind of like surfing. And I thought that was a really cool analogy. He said, sometimes you can practice a lot and it still just doesn't come or you don't get kind of the thing that you were working for or the wave just comes at you and you haven't practiced at all. And he talks about writing falling in like 20 minutes. Yeah. And that's basically an example of the wave comes and you haven't practiced versus like watermelon sugar took like a year or something. Exactly. And so it's like, it just kind of happens the way it happens. And yeah. And I feel like that's the way that he goes about his life. He's like, sometimes 
it takes a really long time and it takes effort and you're not going to just get it in 20 minutes, but sometimes you write an amazing song in 20 minutes in a towel at the piano. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to talk about the albums, both the self-titled album Harry Styles and Fine Line. First, we're going to go with Harry Styles. So this album is maybe my favorite of all time, literally. Um, I love Fine Line too, but I think that... I was just, when this album really came into my life, it was like a whole moment for me. I was kind of going through it, and this album was one that made me feel so heard, which is kind of weird because there's a lot of stuff that I don't relate to necessarily in the album, but it just was something that felt very personal to me to experience. And the album covers such a wide array of emotions, and it transitions between all of those different emotions really well. So it starts off kind of somber and like picks up the pace and the way that the tone of all the different songs sort of mesh together is so well done and I just think it's crafted beautifully. Yeah, I love how it t feels like it's taking you through a single person's experiences, but it also is really transferable to anybody's life. And yeah. I, like, I don't think that a person has to have the exact or even similar experiences to what Harry is writing about to relate to it. So even right. if you haven't been in XYZ kind of relationship the way that he has been in it or whatever it might be, you can still relate to it and be impacted by it. And it can help you get through times in your life that are either really difficult or really great, even if you don't exactly relate to the exact experience that he right. was going through. It's also, I it's just so easy to listen to. You can, you, yeah, that's the thing about both his albums is it feels like you can turn them on and have them sitting in the background or you can bop to them and have a good time. But if you want to, you can also sit down and listen to them mm -hmm. and deep dive into them. And they're so complex and good and deep, but they're also just good songs. And, and even like, the ones... I just want to listen, I just want to listen to this song, you know? And even the ones that are meant to be more of a bop, like the upbeat kind of rock and roll ones, even those are deep and you could yeah. listen to the lyrics and be like, holy buckets, you yeah. just filled this with rich analogies and metaphors and imagery. There's a lot going on yeah. here. <laughs> and then before we get into the literal songs, I just want to talk about our mutual experience of how we got to be pretty big fans of Harry. So I had listened to the album a few times. Me and my friend Eric really liked it. And then like a few days before the concert, maybe a week, but I feel like it might've been even less. I like looked up tickets, um, on Ticketmaster and there were like $20 nosebleed tickets to the Harry Styles concert. And I was like, Nick, would you want to go with me? Like, <laughs> I think it'd be fun. They're $20. And she was like, yeah. So me, Nicole and my friend Eric all went to go see him live. And again, I was a casual fan. Did you even really know any of the I think music? the, I had not even listened to the whole album through when we went to the concert. I obviously knew the One Direction hits, some of them he sang at the concert, and I knew Sweet Creature mm -hmm. because that was kind of like our song. But I remember I had listened to Sweet Creature a lot, and I knew that song pretty well mm -hmm. before we went. And then I was like, sure, I'll go with you guys. And then... It this, was a bop. <laughs> the concert was fantastic. It felt so... At least to me, the concert felt really personal, but also just really fun. He, the way that he was able to have a good time with the audience and chat with them and make jokes and goof around. But then when the time came, he also got serious and sang his song seriously and like really took in those moments. And as 
an audience member, I had the same experience. I had a good time when he was having a good time. And when it got more serious and somber, I felt that. And it was such a good experience. And walking out of that concert is what made me a big fan. I obviously listened to his album a few times before that. But after walking out of the concert, I was like, wow, and became obsessed and listened to that album on repeat. I think we went to Chicago about a month after and literally on the drive there and back, which is probably like 14 hours total, I literally listened to that one album on repeat for the whole time. <laughs> and I enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> I totally, I, yeah, I totally remember that drive to Chicago. And I feel like even coming out of the concert, I didn't become as obsessed as you did because I remember that I truly started realizing it even this past fall mm -hmm. like how incredible of a musician he is and it took me that long to kind of listen to him through you listening to it and hearing more of the songs but I I don't really know why I didn't deep dive into it I think Fine Line fits you a lot more and you've had a, a lot more of like just an attachment to that album totally. where I love Fine Line and I'm obsessed with it but I think I have a bigger attachment to the first and album. I feel like and we can talk about this later too I think the reason that I am more attached to Fine Line than I am with Harry Styles is because I started listening to that when it all began right and I guess you didn't you didn't listen to Harry Styles when it was first but released. I, I did listen to the album I think when it first came out yeah. and I was like "Ooh, this is good and wasn't like a giant fan but I, I definitely liked his music like I picked to go to his concert it wasn't like I was like well there's a concert in town let's go I was like yeah want to go to Harry Styles you know and so, I think yeah I think it took me being there when Lights Up was released and then being there when the other singles from Fine Line were released and then when the album re was released and I got to anticipate all of that I feel like that entire process then helped me get back into the Harry Styles album and be like, oh my gosh, I've been missing out so much. And then reflect back on the concert and be like, holy crap, I was totally at this show and it was right. amazing and I kind of didn't know what I was missing. So I'm definitely behind the train on this. Let me get the record straight. <laughs> like, I have not been a diehard One Direction and Harry Styles fan. It has, it has literally been since... I mean, I... I liked him from the concert, but this fall is what totally solidified it for me. And I kind of dove all in after that. Yeah. So I'm a newbie to the fandom. We I'm both not. are to some extent. Okay. So then what I was saying about the album being really good at showing a ton of different emotions, Meet Me in the Hallway, the first song on the album, really sums this up well. It feels like so many things obviously meet me in the hallway has this sadness to it it feels kind of depressing but it also feels self-reflective and kind of hopeful in a way it has this lonely romantic haunting echoey sort of vibe to it that was a lot of adjectives but and it just works so well and listening to that song is such an experience and i think it's a great start to such a good album it really it, it just feels like how i feel listening to that song is also how i feel listening to the whole album which is really great yeah i feel like this could be an unpopular opinion but i feel like it's my favorite song in the album if i had to pick one i think it just feels really honest to me and that's what i like all of his songs are honest mm -hmm. but at least for this album i like the mix of emotions where it feels like he's admitting to something that he wishes he had but lost, but also feels like it's okay in the angst and the sadness, just the way that he sings it. There's some kind of hopefulness about it, but it's also really clear that he is going through something emotionally. 
I feel like he does a good job of describing what he was going through personally, but also anybody can infer for themselves what it means to them. And I just love the chorus. I feel like him kind of like echoing out there, I gotta get better. I don't know. It's so good. The second song on the album, Sign of the Times, is my favorite song of all time. And that's not an (laughs) exaggeration. That song, I don't even know what it is about it, but it builds so well. Mm -hmm. It starts out soft, but still kind of intense. And it just builds to this, like, such good... It's just amazing. And then at the end, it falls back. And it feels like a song that tells a whole story and comes full circle. I know that I've read the like plot line so to speak of the song is that it's a dying mother talking to her newborn child and there's something about that that feels masterful and like makes the song feel so impactful to me too that it's it's kind of like okay well if you could tell your child one thing what would you tell them and this is what it is obviously it's not a true story but I just think it's beautiful and it totally shows his range too mm-hmm. not just vocally but musically in general and what it's about too is just unique and mm-hmm. out of the box right it feels like a song telling someone to live their life with integrity and without shame but it also is kind of mixed with that gratitude and that optimism with pessimism and sort of you're always on the run from the world and things are always going to be hard, but also trying to kind of learn to live with that. At least that's what I feel like the song is about. And it's just beautiful. Yeah. And what you were saying about the song building too, I feel like it builds as a whole, but it also builds within each of the choruses Mm -hmm. because also the amount of times that he repeats things in his songs is actually really frequent, but I think he does it I think the way that he does it is justified. Yeah, it's really intentional. And it yeah. doesn't take away from the song. It doesn't feel like, oh, you're just singing the words over and over again. It no. feels like this is powerful. And I think that with Watermelon Sugar, too, like people don't like it because it's too chorusy. And I, I don't know. I think it works. I think it's a good way. I think he does it intentionally. And I don't think he's using the repetition of Sign of the Times or whatever, or Watermelon Sugar, whatever. It, Woman, Fine Line, all of them. All of the Fine Line, too. Yeah, like, yeah. there is no... That is so intentional. But I don't feel like it's him just wasting space trying to fill in the lyrics because he doesn't have something else to put there. I think he genuinely thinks that that choice adds to the song in some way. But I do agree with you that the song builds, and I think it builds as a whole, but it also builds within each of the choruses. And it builds in the bridge, too, yeah, in and of itself. Like, there's so much going on musically and lyrically. Yeah. Needless to say, my recommendation for this song viewing, Highway, All the Windows Down, Sunset. Mm -hmm. It just let the emotion take you in because it's really an experience (laughs) listening to this song. I love it. (laughs) I also feel like we differ on this, but I love all of his music and the range that he has as far as fast and slow songs and what they're about and all of that, but... His slower songs are honestly what I enjoy the most out of his albums. So if I were to pick my favorites, it would be like Meet Me in the Hallway, Two Ghosts, Sweet Creature versus the kind of like rock and roll ones. I would agree for the most part. I think that I like the rocky, more upbeat ones more than you do. But I also, my favorite ones are the softer ones. Yeah. But in Two Ghosts, what I just love about that is that it's just, again, really honest and true no matter who you are what you've been through, I feel like everybody can relate to it in some way and apply it to their own life. And that's what I appreciate the most out of music. 
And I also like that two ghosts could be taken romantically or about a friendship or honestly, like any kind of relationship. And it just talks about the fact that it didn't turn out right, but it's still something that he thinks about or still something that you think about. So I don't know. I just think it's a sweet way to say, I'll always have space for this person in my life, even though maybe it didn't turn out the right way. Yeah. But I do think it's a really unique song, especially like lyrically or message wise. It feels like this is not a message I hear all that much. At least what I take from the song for the most part is just how hard it is when people grow apart and how that can be so difficult that you care about this person still and you want to have a good relationship with them and you want to go back to the good old days with that song and go back to when everything was fun and adventurous but you can't always do that and sometimes you're kind of just you're not the same people anymore and you have to kind of deal with that and I think that that is beautiful the way that he sings that and I do think the song can be really fun and just turn it on and kind of bop to it a little bit but it's also like it's a good song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like the way that he says things. I feel like he states things about life that are just true, but it doesn't feel too dramatic. But mm-hmm. it's fresh. Like, when have I ever heard of a, another song where they say, we're not who we used to be. We're two ghosts standing in a... I mean, obviously, there's not another song that has those lyrics. But it does feel like there isn't a song with the same message. Either. And it doesn't feel basic. I feel like there are songs where yeah. you. it's like, okay, I've heard this a million times. But he says things in creative ways without overdoing it and also without trying to be overly creative or using just doing his thing. too much imagery or too much. Yeah. Yeah. He just is good at articulating things about life that I don't think other people articulate in the same way. And yeah. that's what feels refreshing to me yeah. about his music. I also just want to talk about the line, we don't say what we really mean. And I think this whole album and fine line, honestly, but especially this album has a lot of themes about communication and how the lack of communication can completely destroy a relationship. And it kind of is extremely difficult to function without that. But yeah, I just think that's a really complex message and one that is really like sewn throughout Harry's songs. And I think it's a really interesting thing. And I also think that kind of brings light to that he is a person. I think with Harry and honestly any celebrity, it's really easy to fall victim to the idea that they're like gods or that they are so much better than all of us. And I don't know, it's just, there's that culture. And I don't think that having that attitude as a joke is a bad thing necessarily. But I think it is really important to note that, especially in Fine Line, honestly, but in this song and in a few other songs throughout the Harry Styles album, it's really clear that he struggles with a lot and is maybe not always the best in a relationship and can cause a lot of problems and I think that acknowledging that doesn't take away from how good of a person it seems like he is or how cute he is or whatever but he is a human being that also has flaws and also struggles and I think that acknowledging that honestly makes his music even more powerful because in his music he's acknowledging that and I just really like that about the way he writes music. I totally agree. And we kind of talked about this before, but for the song Sweet Creature, this was the first song I ever heard of Harry Styles ever. And it was the first one that I ever put on a playlist. I remember Ben and I would carpool to school every day the year that I was a senior and he was a freshman. And we would listen to it on, we had a morning playlist with like a bunch of Moana songs (laughs) and random theater like Hamilton 
and other songs that we both just really liked. So it was a fun way to kind of start the morning. And then we talked about this a little bit too when we took the trip to Chicago a few a few years back after we saw the Harry concert. We listened to that album and ever since then, Sweet Creature has kind of been our song, I guess, yeah. in a sense. And it's kind of cute too because from what I understand, the song is about Harry's sister, Gemma. Mm-hmm. And what I really just love about this song is again, the way that he just states things as they are and how he feels about his sister. I also like that it has a lot of imagery. In general, in his songs, he has lots of really cool imagery. In a lot of his songs, especially in Fine Line, he has a lot of imagery about flowers and plants that are kind of, to me, at least related to growth and kind of becoming a better person. Mm -hmm. But in this song, the more subtle line that I picked up on and that I really like is the reference to running through the garden. And I think it just fits really well with a song about his childhood with his sister it feels reminiscent of their past together I guess growing up and being rooted in the same home Mm -hmm. and it also plays with the ideas of natural beauty and all of that kind of imagery that he plays throughout fine line too so I don't know I just think it's a really sweet song for me personally sibling relationships are the ones that always get me the most I know that in movies I kind of, those are the ones that get me to cry the most. I know Little Women got me really emotional. Onward. Yeah, <laughs> Onward. Um, also, like, first aid kit song, Brother. Yes, that song is, like, really near and dear to my heart. So this song also kind of feels like it's in that same light. I really like the, the way they describe this sibling relationship, or at least our interpretation of a sibling relationship. The lines, you'll bring me home, which are repeated throughout the whole song, feel really deep and good to me that even if we go away from our family or we feel closer to our friends at different times or other people the fact that our family is people that will always be there for us and they'll bring us home it just feels so accurate and this idea of unconditional love and like a like your family's your rock and they're always Mm -hmm. there and I love that he had a song that's about that yeah he has such a wide variety of songs mm-hmm. and content it's not I feel like he gets not a bad rap necessarily but a lot of people just think that especially with fine line because a lot of it is kind of like sensual and talking about his breakups and the euphoria of the honeymoon phase of relationships but mm-hmm. also he has some really deep songs that have nothing to do with romance or maybe they could but it's up for interpretation right so only angel is actually one of my favorite songs on the album as well obviously not my not my favorite compared to like sign of the times but this song is so good to just bop and it has such a unique sound to it especially in the beginning i love the song is called only angel obviously and the first minute or so of the song is like this weird ethereal sounding intro where you're like where is this song going it could be a slow one right so it feels like there's like a choir in the back and it feels very like heavenly almost. And like if that makes eerie. sense. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a beat drop about a minute through and the song just goes off in like this rock fun direction. He really hit us with that guitar. Yeah, and it it's just such... And those ooze. Yes. <laughs> and every time I listen to the song or every time I'm I'm in the car driving around and this song comes on especially when I'm with other people I'll like talk them through and I'll be like what's he gonna do what's on what direction is this song gonna go and everyone's like I don't know Ben and then it like (laughs) hits and everyone just has a good time and I just think that that's what this album does so well is that 
you can just have a good time with it, but there's also so much there that you can go deeper with. And the lyrics are so refreshing. To me, Mm -hmm. it feels like he's kind of teetering on something risky. Like, one of the lines is about whatever girl he's talking about, her skirt being too short, but then he says, I like it. So I feel like it just brings out the side of him that's like, ooh, okay, I didn't necessarily know that that's where you were going with that, but... Chase it your is, bliss, it is man. a really good contrast that he's talking about things like that, and but also calling her an angel. And like, yes. it's just an interesting dynamic, and I think he pulls it off really and well. And it feels like a different kind of honesty because before, like we were talking mm-hmm. about, it's like, oh, he's being honest about the difficulties of communication and, yeah. and emotions and all of that. But then now he's kind of like, I'm talking about like either the way that a girl looks or the way that a girl makes me feel. And he's being brutally honest about it. and It's a little more raunchy, but it's yes. like it's still honest. And it's still like, okay, he's just having a good time with this right now. Yeah, yeah, right. And I also think that this song, the lyrics are just interesting. Mm-hmm. And a, honestly, the same thing with Kiwi. He chooses weird things to rhyme with. Like, I know in Kiwi, he, ta- he rhymes things with black dress and cactus. And it's like just weird, fun, goofy lyrics. It's hard to not have a good time when you're listening to those songs. And I remember him saying in one interview, I'm not sure which one it was, but he talked about Kiwi and kind of being unsure about it and being like, I feel like that's kind of a weird thing to put on my album. Or he was just kind of iffy about the song going on the album at first, but then he realized, and this is, it's kind of the same with Treat People With Kindness on Fine Line. That song too, he just talks about how sometimes I think he was worried about being a little bit too risky and maybe people not liking it or himself not liking it and not wanting it to be on the final album. But then he realized like, okay, we can have fun. We can be sarcastic in music. And he ended up liking that and actually... And owning it. And owning it. Yeah. And enjoying that being a part of his album. Because I think he's had some influences that have basically said you just need to do you and right. you need to do an album that you're proud of. And it ha- if it has a song like Kiwi or has a song like treat people with kindness, that's kind of like funky and not maybe what people expected. That's okay. Again, tying it back to the Zane Lowe interview. He says that his whole kind of goal for this album is to redefine what success means for him. Mm-hmm. And what success means for him is that he's happy doing what he's doing, right. not getting number one on the charts necessarily, even though he would probably say, like, yeah, I'd love to be number one. Like, he's not afraid to say that, you know what I but mean? But it's not also the purpose. But that's not the purpose. It's yeah. both. He's, like, it's it's that he's grounded and also enjoys having fun and being an icon and being recognized and famous. Mm-hmm. But that's not, at the end of the day, what he's doing all this for. And honestly, um, the songs Only Angel, Kiwi, and Woman are the three that feel like a darker side to Harry and like we're kind of seeing this new more adult side of him it kind of goes into especially women goes into this sort of he's the jealous type or kind of begging this girl to be with him or whatever and it's just interesting to see that side of him yeah totally I think he just shows a different side of the things that he's maybe not proud of that doesn't have to do with the low point that he's talking about in the song falling it's more like I get jealous or I get greedy yeah Then, so the song Ever Since New York is about his stepfather, and I think that this song is really sad and really well written, and it talks about grief in such a realistic way, and the lyrics, um, tell me something I don't already know, feel so true when you're talking about grief. At least what I think of is, whenever someone in your life dies, I feel like people are very quick to be like, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. They're in a better place. Like, kind of these 
words that don't actually really help, even though people are trying. And at least for me, when I listen to it, I'm like, that's what it means when it's telling me something I don't already know. It's like, you're not helping. Yeah. I'm sad and I want to feel this pain and I it's awful. And you telling me that it'll all be okay is like, cool. I know that already. Thanks. I'm... Yeah. There's a sense of sarcasm in the line too. That's mm-hmm. just saying like, tell me something that I don't know about this situation. You're trying to make me feel better, but obviously I'm not ignorant about the truth of what's going on. Right. And it's just really painful. He also talks about in the Zane Lowe interview, just about how death and grief can really change a person. And I feel like that makes sense because he said that like when you're a kid and your grandparents die, that even though it's sad and you're going to miss them, it feels more natural. But as soon as you have a friend or somebody that maybe you don't feel like should have died at the time that they did. Mm -hmm. And I think this would be true with his stepdad. It kind of wakes you up as an adult. And I don't even know if I've had quite an experience. I mean, we've had a couple family members pass away, but I don't know if I've had the same experience in the sense that I could relate to Harry in that way. But I think the way that he conveyed that emotion of grief and getting over the, or trying to get over the death of his stepdad, it's just a really, it's a beautiful song, even though it's really sad. Yeah, 100%. And then for the last song on the album, I love this song. I feel like it's just the best song to cry to. I like that it feels like what you would want to say to somebody that you don't feel like you can say to them anymore. And it's just honest in that way. I also, I feel like the way that he wrote it, you can feel the hurt and the one-sidedness of the whole message that it feels like he's kind of like speaking into the abyss and nobody's really there to be on the other end to hear what Mm -hmm. he's like kind of like crying out for. It does feel really empty, kind of, and I think that's a really interesting choice for the last song in the album, the fact that it feels kind of aimless and just sad and just um, really lonely. Most artists wouldn't end their out al- their especially their debut album with like such a depressing song. I think it's a really risky choice, but I think it works really well, and I think it kind of makes the whole album come full circle. I remember I used to listen to it. Usually now I listen to just all of his music in a row but when he just had this album out I would just listen to this album on repeat and from the dining table transitions to meet the hallway meet me in the hallway really well he just makes the album feel very cohesive ending it with this song and I think it works really well yeah and I like that it goes through his thought process kind of and kind of what I was saying before about the one-sidedness I just like that it is more introspective into what he's going through and it's also just relatable so I like that message kind of like what you're saying ending the album that way with this kind of empty and sad but also introspective look into Mm -hmm. his experience whatever that was and it is relatable to a lot of people I feel like yeah 100% so we also wanted to talk about the song Girl Crush which is a cover he did the song was written by the band Little Big Town and he covered it on a Spotify Sessions little um record with just that and Two Ghosts is what's on the Spotify Sessions But this song, I have a really strong emotional attachment to. This song reminds me of a really important period in my life. It takes me back to the best summer of my life, which is about two two years ago. And the way Harry sings this, it feels so soft and innocent and pure. And that's what makes it so heartbreaking. The song is obviously about jealousy too, but... Instead of some of his other songs that are about jealousy that feel more aggressive or angsty, this one feels just more sorrowful and 
it's like he is jealous in this really soft way and very it's just a beautiful song to listen to and it's really hard to listen to sometimes but it also takes me back to good times so i love it a lot yeah and i think it showcases the way that he's able to take songs and make them his own mm-hmm. in unique ways and he's done that with like lizzo and yeah other just like random covers that he's done in his concert, he did The Chain 2 by Fleetwood Mac. He also wrote a song called Medicine, which he sang at his concerts. And that song's never been released um, in any way other than at his concerts. But I think it's a really interesting song. I think it's a really important one. And we saw him perform it at yeah. our performance, which actually is well-known. Like, if you search yeah, it up on Yeah, the Minneapolis St. Paul performance is, like, pretty famous of that song. For people that know about the song that hasn't been released yet that he plays at his concerts the minneapolis performance of that is Mm -hmm. well known as being like like, the best one yeah (laughs) um which is great but the song basically at least in my interpretation is kind of just about having fun and experimenting with different things and i think we can talk about his sexuality briefly here mostly what i just want to say about it is because that's kind of what the song's about at least in my interpretation but I think we both kind of agree on this. People have a weird obsession with Harry Styles' sexuality, and I don't think it's very important. And I feel like it's more so interviewers and other random people that I don't even think really even get what Harry's all about. Because, I mean, not fans. There definitely are fans who would probably buy into all of the hype about it, but I feel like his fan base doesn't care about his sexuality, and they're not asking all of those questions about him and kind of like probing into his personal life they Mm -hmm. literally do not care they just love his music and they love him and they get the essence of him just being a style king no pun intended (laughs) and just kind of like living his life and so it aggravates me that people especially interviewers that i've seen that are like so you paint your nails and you wear these funky clothes and you wear pink are, are you bi? Are you gay? What are you talking like, about? Dude, I'm just vibing, literally. He's like, I, I don't know. Is it relevant? Like, I, or, and he's even said before, along the lines of, I haven't really even thought about it that much. And it seems honest. Like, I don't even think he's yeah. trying to dodge the question. I don't think he loves the question. Yeah. But he's not even trying to have a cop-out answer. He's just genuinely asking, why does it even matter? And I agree with him. I just don't get why it matters. And I also noticed that a lot of people that aren't fans of Harry, but, like, know who he is, like, that's the first... A lot of times if I'm like, you should listen to Harry Styles' album, it's really good, people will be like, oh, isn't he gay? And I'm like... What kind of question is that? Just, it doesn't... His music's good. I don't... It just doesn't matter to me that much, but... And I guess to play devil's advocate, you could say that he is funky and he does have unique style and he does do things that a lot of people in the media don't do, like paint his nails for fun or whatever. I think a lot of people kind of grab onto that one and Mm -hmm. they think that one's like super out of the box. So, I mean, I understand people maybe asking the question and he does have different lyrics throughout his songs that kind of point to, oh, maybe he is talking about bisexual relationships or whatever might be. Girl Crush is the same thing with that too. Yeah, for sure. But regardless of all of that, I just don't get why it needs to be, one, a focus in an interview, and two, why it needs to define him. And he said that multiple times that it doesn't define him. And so he, even the fact that he's said that out loud, I feel like people should just shut up about it now because if he wanted to talk about it, he would talk about it. And he said that he, the way he wants to talk about his personal life is through his music and that's what he does. So if you want to, Like, if you want to know more about him, listen to his songs, and it's not that hard to put the pieces together. And he said before, like, I don't think my songs are that 
difficult to understand. I just write about what I feel. And so if you really listen to his music, you can kind of fill in the blanks for yourself. And I don't understand why people have this weird obsession with labeling him or trying to put him in a box when he's not putting himself in a box and he's right. just trying to live his life. Right. And if you really want to know, to your point, listen to the music and take what it take from it what you can. Mm-hmm. And that's that on that. I don't get <laughs> Period. Period. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Fine Line. So I think that we've had different experiences with both of the albums and Fine Line to me hits closer to home and I feel like I have more of a connection to this album than I do with the Harry Styles album, even though I love the Harry Styles album too. But part of it for me is that I vividly remember the night that Lights Up came out and I was not anticipating it. I had no idea that it was coming out. And I remember I was at college in my room and I put on lights up and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And I just vividly remember the experience and kind of like what I was feeling at the time when I was listening to the song. So I kind of have a connection to that song. And then I remember people didn't really like lights up that much as a single. I think that people seemed excited that he released new music. But I remember after Watermelon Sugar and Adore You came out, people were like, lights up is bad. Yeah. Which I don't agree with. I don't agree either. I think I was maybe a little bit more picking up on the fact that he was going to release a song soon than you were mm-hmm. probably just because I was already more like a, a bigger fan of him For already sure. um I remember when he tweeted he tweeted the word do at one point and people were like what that's ominous and he had the Rolling Stones article that came out and then people kept seeing all these different signs posted across the world literally it was a very good marketing campaign <laughs> but that said do you know who you are in all caps in all caps and then below it it said tpwk which is his his biggest slogan is basically treat people with kindness. And so a fan would know that that is Harry and he tweeted do. So everyone was like, do you know who you are? Wow. So I think e- people were kind of catching on. Like, music was coming soon. And then he t- tweeted about it and posted it on Instagram. And we were like, oh, wow. But yeah, I love Lights Up. I think it's a great song. I It blew me away when I first listened to it. And it's I th- so different. Yeah. And I've never gotten away from that emotion from when I first listened to it. I still love it to this day. And I think what else I just loved about my experience with Fine Line is being able to anticipate the new singles and then anticipate the release of his album. Mm -hmm. And we had really different experiences listening to the album for the first time too, because my friend and I had been kind of like hyping it up for a really long time and we're really excited about the album coming out and we wanted to wait to listen to it together but we weren't going to be able to listen to it together until the day after it came out. Yeah. So I think it was a Thursday night that it came out mm-hmm. at midnight and you listened to it that night, but I was waiting until the next day so that I could listen to it with my friend. Yeah. And I remember I texted you right before we started listening to it. And the first thing that you said, because you had already listened to the whole thing the night before was the whole thing is amazing. You're going to love it. I was blown away. And then you said, but just wait until fine line. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, obviously the last song in the album. So I was like, so excited uh-huh. to not only listen to the whole thing, but also then anticipate that last song. And I remember when golden started, I love the song golden. Obviously we'll talk about this when we go through each of the songs, but it was, a, it was an amazing experience for me because I was able to get really excited about it and anticipate it. And I felt like I was in on the entire kind of release period from right. the very beginning of Lights Up, which I vividly remember and will never forget until the second that I listened to 
the first note of golden and the last note of fine line. Right. Yeah. My experience listening to the album for the first time was also fantastic. I think I was in tech for Newsies. It was our last day of tech. We opened literally the night that you listened to it, I think, was mm-hmm. our opening night for Newsies. And so I'd had a long, like, five hour rehearsal. And that's just exhausting. So I was very tired and I came home and ate some food and showered in the dark because I, that like cleanses my spirit. Okay. (laughs) And I think I listened to the first album in the shower and then I got out of the shower and I went in my room and I turned all the lights off and I put my headphones in and I just clicked play and what a great (laughs) way. Listening to Golden for the first time was literally phenomenal so good see i was listening to it during the daylight like it was like literally 2 p.m when i was listening to it yeah for the first time it was literally like midnight or one when i listened to it for the first yeah it's so crazy and you had more of an emotional connection i guess to the first album more than i had and so i think that's what has just this album has left a mark on me just because the whole experience of it has been really powerful. I'm using like very big words, but <laughs> it's true. I don't know. I just didn't have that same experience with Harry Styles. So let's dive right in. I think that Golden is the best way to start the album. Some people didn't like it after. I love I Golden. Love Golden. It's Golden. one of my favorite songs on the album. Same. It makes me think of sparkles and shimmering yeah. sunshine mm-hmm. and goodness. I know I mentioned that Sign of the Times is a great sunset highway windows down song, but this song has completely different vibes, but in the same way. It feels so summery and light and fun, and it just feels like it just has the best vibes ever. And I, mm-hmm. it's hard to not just like feel so excited listening to it. It's such a party, and I love it. It's a great way to start the album. And I also think that the album tells like a pretty cohesive story. When I listen to it, I feel like there's a whole, like I said, a whole story being told. And so this is such a good way to start that story, I think. What at least my interpretation of the album is, is sort of an album about falling in love and then falling out of it or getting your heart broken or whatever. And this song feels so like lively and fun and it feels like you're falling in love. Like that's, I mean, totally. it just is such a good way to start it. And I, I love it for that. Yeah. I totally think the album tells a full story from all the songs, but there's also stories within each of the songs. Yeah, 100%. And so I don't know, this is just the best way to start it because taken out of context, it's just a bop and it's just a fun way that he uses cool imagery and talks about bright skies and loving use the antidote just Mm -hmm. like cool lyrics but then also when you look at it in the context of the whole album it fits perfectly as starting a new relationship right yeah and watermelon sugar sort of follows the same it feels kind of similar i think i prefer golden to watermelon sugar but i also love watermelon sugar it feels really carefree and fun and it just feels summery and some of the lines, obviously, it's kind of a sexual song. It's kind of, that's what it's about. But it you can have fun with it. It doesn't have to be about that. And just some of the the imagery he creates with, he uses fruit a lot in his songs with kiwi and cherry, watermelon sugar, and talks about berries in this song. And it just feels so good. Yeah, and there's also angst in it too, though, which I like because to me, what I glean from it is he's just talking about like not being able to handle not having something that he really wants. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, it's a little emo, you know? I think that 
Even though it's summery and like a I vibe. I think that the song isn't emo itself, but it speaks to emo-ness yes. hidden under the surface, kind of. Totally. Or emo-ness that could happen in the future. I think it's just, it's a summer vibe, but to me it also opens the door to emotions around like not getting something that you really want and how that can impact a person and mm -hmm. like the the emotion of longing is kind yeah. of the vibe that I get even though it's mixed into this bop and this like summer on the beach vibe mm -hmm. and I think Adore You really emphasizes that more too this song is sort of where at least when I'm listening to the album I feel like Harry starts writing about the relationship falling apart a little bit or them growing apart and it feels to me like this is sort of Harry like calling out to the person and being like, please just let me love you. Like I need you. Like, please. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? And yeah. And I just think that he does that really well, but it's also again, so fun and it's hard to not just bop your head to the song to adore you. And uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's the same thing to me kind of as watermelon sugar because there's angst in it about him being infatuated with somebody and feeling like he would sacrifice the world for this person and walk through fire for them but also it's feel good because it's talking about like the euphoria of starting a new really fun relationship mm -hmm. so it's that it's very interesting the way that he can go back and forth between being angsty and being something that he's longing for or something that's kind of like internal turmoil yeah. with his emotions it feels like he's begging for validation in yeah song, which totally like. but it's also fun and it's also just like i really like this person or i love this person and i'm we're starting an, off on this new relationship. Yeah. I also just want to talk about what he did with the music video. And he, so he created like this whole world called Eroda for Adore You. And it's so fun and it feels very quirky. He, the, the music video is basically about this fish that Harry finds and raises it. And then eventually after it gets big and strong, it leaves and goes back to the ocean. And I think that's, it's silly and quirky and weird, but it's also a really good metaphor for how someone would feel in that situation that you find someone and you take care of them and you help them and fall in love with them, but then eventually you kind of grow up and need to go away from each other. And I think that that's so sad and it's weird that Harry got me attached to a fish, <laughs> but it happened and he did it so well and it. I just think he's a genius. And it translates to the whole album too. Yeah. Uh, that's again like his little stories within each song but then it translates to the bigger picture right. with his album and him just as a person and as yeah. a musician good stuff yeah lights up i also we've talked about it briefly at least to me this song feels like it's kind of just harry self-reflecting and there's a lot of stuff in this album about him not knowing himself or not knowing how to handle himself or cope with his own actions and thoughts and I think this album, at least to me, when I first listened to it especially, seemed like it's about sort of fame and how, obviously, I mean, we're making a whole podcast episode about this man that we've never met, but he has millions of people that are obsessed with him and buy all his tickets to his concerts and it's just crazy and I feel like a lot of those fans feel like they know who Harry is from watching him in interviews and listening to his music and seeing him in concerts. And even us to some degree yeah. doing this. We're it, like, oh, we know what message he's giving yeah. <laughs> or the essence of Harry. And it's like, what do we know? Which is a do little hypocritical of, up, yeah. of us. But I also think that it's such a good song because it's him kind of questioning. And it doesn't seem like he's putting any of that down. Like he's not mad or anything, but 
the line lights up and they know who you are. Do you know who you are is what he sings. And I think that that's such an interesting thing. And I've never heard that in a song before that all these people feel like they know who Harry is, but he doesn't even know who he is. And he also says all the lights couldn't put out the dark. And at least for me, what I think of is like stage lights. He walks out on stage and there's these bright lights shining on him and these millions of people, obviously not in one stadium, but overall that go see him. And it's like, even with all of that, he can't run from his own shame and guilt and his own darkness that might be inside of him. And I just think he does such a good job with this song by portraying that. Yeah. And also asking the question to the audience who thinks that they know him saying, do you even know who you are? Mm -hmm. Who do you think you are to know who I am as a celebrity if you don't even know who Ben is in Golden Valley, Minnesota? (laughs) Yeah. It's very meta. (laughs) Yeah. I also, I don't know what interview this was, but I remember him saying something about Lights Up and him not even really knowing exactly what the song meant to him, which was Hmm. kind of interesting because I feel like he said that the lyrics to him were kind of like all over the place. I'm definitely not quoting him, so he might have said something different than the way that I'm kind of retelling it right now, but I think that just adds to... His music is just him expressing himself and it might not always be exactly clear what he's trying to say or what he's conveying and the audience can interpret it the way that they will interpret it. So, I mean, I think that your kind of analysis of the song or the what you take from it, I think that makes a lot of sense and it's really true, but it seems like there is a lot of interpretation like up for grabs on the table. Yeah, kind and, of. and honestly, that's what I love about his music is that's what I glean from it and that's what I like about the song but that doesn't mean I'm right necessarily there is no right way to interpret art and I Harry's music exemplifies that really well and sometimes he's like guys it's literally written in like in Cherry we can talk about Cherry too because his ex-girlfriend's voice is literally in the end of the song like obviously it's about her but at the same time it is kind of ambiguous to some degree yeah And you don't always know exactly where he was coming from when he wrote it. Yeah. And Cherry is one of my favorite songs on the album. I think that it feels really painful and intimate. And whenever I've seen videos of him singing and just listening to his voice on the recording, there's like a weight to it that feels really personal and like he's really opening up through the song. And that's why I love it so much. And I really, I heard, okay, I heard that the voice memo at the end of the of the song of his ex-girlfriend is he was playing guitar and she was talking to someone on the phone in the background and her voice kind of coincidentally lined up with the key he was playing in. And so, and I think that just makes the song so much better that it's sort of like the song is about people growing apart and kind of becoming jealous of someone else and all that. And then in the background, his girlfriend is laughing on the phone with someone else. Right. And I think that... Whoa. I didn't know that It's kind of masterful the way he does that. I, it could be wrong. I'm not... Don't quote me on that. But I have heard that before, which I just think is super interesting. Yeah. And to me, it does have a somber feel about it, obviously, because it's about heartbreak. But the key that it's in, it sounds happier. It's like those yeah. songs where if you just listened to the song and you weren't paying attention to what the lyrics were at all, it kind of sounds... You know sad, yeah. Like... like cute and innocent and it obviously isn't like a happy summer banger but it's like no it's it's a nice song it's like light and cute and happy but right and like the higher key i Uh think is what kind of does it for me where i'm like 
oh, this is kind of a sweet sentiment. Like, it could, it could almost be a cute little love song. Yeah. But then you realize that it really is about, like, the most fundamental core of heartbreak. And then you realize that there's more dissonance in the song. The other thing is I remember I was watching the Zane Lowe interview and my friend was really excited to listen to Cherry because the way that he talked about it in the interview just made it seem really personal and honest, which is true because, especially because Harry's ex-girlfriend is in it, her voice is in it at the end. But I honestly, I don't love listening to this song now. I think it's a genius song and I think it is beautiful and a, a great addition to the album. But I just don't love listening to it because it just makes me sad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just wouldn't probably put it up there. And I know that this might be an unpopular opinion. Especially, I know that my one friend really loves this song a lot. But I feel like I just don't always want to turn it on because it just makes me feel sad about, like, Harry and his relationships and, like... Yeah, I probably would have to disagree with you a little bit there. I really... I do think the song is really sad, and so it does make me sad listening to it sometimes, but I just love it a lot. And usually, yeah. actually, what at least in my opinion, I think that this song, Falling, and To Be So Lonely, which are the is the order that the three songs go in on the album, I always listen to the three of those together. They feel like one piece to me for mm-hmm. some reason. It feels like sort of... Cherry is sort of this relationship ending, and Falling is it is really struggling with that with the heartbreak of it and to be so lonely is sort of this more twisted aftermath of shame and guilt and talking yourself down and i just think that they go together really well falling i think is also a gorgeous song i think a lot of this is a lot of people's favorite song on the album i would not say that i think it's really pretty but it also doesn't have the like Harry flair to it that I love so much about his other music. It feels like anybody could have sung this song and it's just a sad heartbreak song. So I prefer songs like Cherry and To Be So Lonely and Golden and just other songs that feel more unique to Harry. But I still do love Falling. It's gorgeous. And I think this song really humanizes him. It makes me realize that he is a person with flaws, like we've talked about earlier too. And Especially the line, there's no one to blame but the drink in my wandering hand. That really sticks out to me. And me and my friend, Maddie, have kind of theorized about what that means. Whether that means he would, he cheated on his girlfriend or just maybe flirted or maybe an issue with alcohol. or There's no way to know, so I'm not trying to put any label on Harry or anything like that. But that line feels very intentional and very real. And I think understanding that Harry is a person that makes mistakes is just as important as enjoying him and looking him at him as perfect and amazing. It's like he is a he is someone that has flaws and has mistakes and I think that this song really showed that to me but not at all in a negative way and honestly it makes me appreciate him more as an artist that he can open up about those things. Yeah, and he said that this song he said that this album in general has highlighted some of the best and the worst times in his life Uh and has kind of alluded to the fact that this song represents or he wrote this song during a time that was probably one of his the worst times in his life. I really like it just because I think it's introspective in a different way than To Be So Lonely is. Yeah, I think the tone 
is very different in those two songs. Yeah, and there's just a lot going on. We can't know everything that's going through his mind, obviously, from his perspective writing right. it. we don't know the situation at all, so we're not trying to assume like or act like we do. Right, but we can use the lyrics that he writes, and the I think that he emits a lot of emotion in this song. Yeah. I don't know, I feel like, to me, I feel like falling has impacted me more from an introspective perspective more than cherry has even and i maybe that really is an unpopular opinion like i know a lot of people that really love cherry and i think it's a it's i think it's an amazing song but i think falling hits me a little bit more than cherry does cherry just makes me feel sad and falling feels more like i'm getting to know who harry is and at the same time it allows me to kind of apply the lyrics in falling to my own life but mm-hmm. that's just totally my own personal opinion and it also it feels like in this song he's able to hit at what some of life's hardest times are Mm -hmm. without pushing his listeners away like it makes me it reels me in and makes me want to listen to more with a song like falling even though it's talking about like the depths of insecurity and humanizes him and points out when he's feeling his very worst But To Be So Lonely, I think, is my favorite song on the entire album. This song is definitely the one that I loved the most first, and I always feel like I keep going back to it. It's obviously hard to pick just one because I love all the songs on this album for a lot of different reasons, but if I did have to choose, it would be this one, probably just because I feel like I just vibe with it, the music and the way that it sounds feels the most unique to me yeah, out of the album. 100%. And the lyrics are so honest and the way that he manipulates the music paired with the lyrics that he chooses, I think is a genius combination. And for people who are really familiar with this song, like the bass or like the drop kind of, not like a real bass drop, but like, you know what I'm talking about when like the guitar hits basically the, right before he says don't call again. me baby again yeah. that there's nothing else on the album that sounds like that yeah and even the lyrics like it feels like he's going back and forth between accepting blame for things and also it feels like he's admitting to the fact that he is to blame for some things but there's also angst in it like when he says don't call me baby again it's like he's basically saying we're all in the wrong here or whatever happened, things have gone down and I'm an arrogant son of a bee sometimes, but also don't call me baby again. Like I have like some fire in my veins. Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? It feels aggressive kind of. It and feels it... aggressive both toward himself yeah. because he's saying I've obviously been in the wrong, but then also it's aggressive. Really yeah, but it's also aggressive to the person that he's talking to because yeah. he's basically he's being like, like, back off, leave me alone now, okay, off. we're done. Like, right. You and, ended this. Yeah. And that contrast to me is so beautiful and yeah. paired with the way that the music, it's, I I could listen to this song every day and not get sick of it on repeat. I'm trying to actually listen to it less because I don't, don't want to get sick of, sick of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. It's probably, I probably don't love it as much as you do, but I do love it and it's called to be so lonely and the song feels lonely you can feel his isolation but it's also spunky it's like lonely but also the little i don't even know what the instruments are that they're playing in it i'm not that educated probably (laughs) but like if it's a banjo or something like even just the very beginning opening thing and i think mitch wrote 
decent amount of this song, yeah. possibly. His guitarist. I don't know. I should probably know more about all of it before it's all I start speaking but... about all the instruments, because I don't know that stuff, but <laughs> I know that I know how it makes me feel, and I love that. Yeah. And I, again, I just feel like Cherry Falling and this song are so different, but at least for me, I love listening to the three of them at once. They it feel kind like of, they go really well together it, and tell, like, one mini story. Obviously... The whole album tells a story, each song tells a story, but these three songs feel like they tell their own story too, which I just love. It feels like they're each a phase of one emotion yeah. or of like one relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, and then these three songs kind of as like a triple, kind of like a unit, those, that is like a phase within an emotion of the album, mm-hmm. which we kind of talked about for, yeah. before too. It's so well done. <laughs> Lots of layers. Yeah. So then she is the next song, and I think this song is really interesting. This is a lot of people's favorite song. I would not rank it that high personally, but I still do really like it. It's really interesting to me how much of the song is just instrumentals, and I don't dislike that at all. I think it shows off his band members, and I also think that the instrumentals really go off. Um, And he can pull off kind of a guitar banger. Yeah, Mitch is good. Um, Yeah. So, what's interesting to me is not only that it's six minutes, but it's also feels really, it feels kind of disconnected from the rest of the album, but also from what he's singing about. Most of his songs feel very, like, they feel very, this is what I'm feeling right now, this is what's going through my brain right now, and it feels like Harry is speaking right from his brain. This song feels like Harry singing about someone else going through something, and I think it is about him still. But the way he disconnects from it is really interesting. And at least my interpretation of the song is that it's kind of about fantasizing about a person and having your standards be really high and never being able to live up to that. And then that kind of is painful in and of itself and just a weird dynamic. But I think the song is super interesting and I really like it and I don't skip it when I'm listening to the album. Yeah, it's definitely not my favorite on the album by any means, but I agree with you. I think what I love the most about it is just the way that it showcases Harry's ability to storytell the best out of all of his songs. And I know that he's had, we talked about Van Morrison and Joni Mitchell before, but those, Joni Mitchell is a genius storyteller in her music and I know that she was an kind of an icon inspiration for him as she is for many musicians but I think that influence I don't know if it was like specifically her for this song I have no idea but in general the longer duration of this song and the way that he narrates it kind of like what you're saying it kind of it's more disconnected and it's not it doesn't feel like he's just speaking straight to the listener mm-hmm. it just showcases that he's able to do a bunch of different things Because storytelling in music is really hard. Not all musicians are good at narrating in their music. They're more focused on talking about, like, what I'm going through. Mm -hmm. So he does I think he does a really good job with it. It's definitely not my favorite song to listen to, but that's just totally my personal preference. Yeah, I still think it's a great song. Yeah, totally. And Sunflower, I love this song. I feel like people don't really talk about this song. I don't think this song gets as much credit as it deserves at all. Yeah. I love this song, especially the imagery. Because he, okay, I feel like the word growing or like growth gets overused all the time and it becomes really cliche because it's a good word to use, but I think it gets overused. But Harry knows how to take the same, at least for me, the essence of this song 
is just about, like, getting to know somebody and kind of, like, the blossoming of a new relationship. And then, obviously, at the end, something must have happened and it didn't work out for whatever reason because it switches to, I, he says, I've been trying hard not to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. But he doesn't just use the word growing slash growth and talk about, like, the blossoming of flowers, but he says things like, plant new seeds in the melody, I want to get to know you. Or, I've been trying hard not to talk to you, my sunflower. So it's just very creative ways, and I love the way that this song sounds. I love listening to it. It's beautiful. Yeah. And again, back to imagery, like, this song feels with the flowers and just the way the song sounds. Yeah, and it's sensual, too. Yeah. It's he plays with a lot of different things that are it's like the whole essence of the song is talking about this new growth of a relationship and then I guess the ending of it at the end and just personal growth too totally but he doesn't use the word grow I don't know I maybe that's just me that I get caught up on that but I like him saying things like planting new seeds and I want to get to know you and kind of bringing us back and forth between talking about like flowers and sunshine and also talking about like dancing in the kitchen right yeah and I also feel like this song feels more optimistic and like he's talking about themes he's talked about throughout the album but in a more optimistic light it feels like kind of what we talked about with watermelon sugar and adore you where it's this longing for someone but it it feels more healthy and more positive overall which is something I really like about him that he can write about the same thing but from different emotions and it comes across so well and the analogies to flowers to make it feel more optimistic and just the way that the music sounds or the the way that the melody sounds yeah and i think the album from here on in feels a lot more optimistic you could make an argument for fine line being not that happy but canyon moon is the next song and that song is just pure fun to me it feels whenever i listen to it the thing that comes into my brain every time is this like driving with the windows down in Arizona or somewhere with the desert and like sand blowing all around and just playing the song. It feels very road trippy and I don't know, it just is a really great vibe and really fun for me and I just love blasting this. And he wrote at least part of the song in Malibu, so this feels the most Malibu to me. I mean, yeah. I've never been there, but it sounds and looks amazing. And I feel like I could see him jamming to this song or writing this song like, <laughs> like on the beach yeah. on the beach or like on the highway with like malibu ness all over yeah 100%. it's really sweet it's also kind of similar to sweet creature just in what it's about when he's just basically saying like i'm going home yeah. i don't know i like that it's cute he just talks about a lot of different things throughout his albums it's not i feel like it, it is heavy on relationships and romance and the way that he feels about different relationships that he's been in whether it's just starting or it's ending but it feels a lot bigger than that but it's too. so much bigger than that yeah. and he like i feel like taylor swift gets a bad rap for talking about only boys and i feel like harry does talk about his relationships a lot in his music but he also has these golden gems in here that aren't always about that and it is very evident if you actually listen to his discography as a f- whole you can see that There are so many different things going on that aren't just about, like, his ex-girlfriend. Right, yeah. And I think Treat People With Kindness is a very similar thing. To me, this song is just really wholesome. I don't think it's Harry's strongest song, but I also don't think it's trying to be his strongest song. And he said, too, at one point that he was kind of unsure about this. 
And he, because I remember him saying in an interview that he thought that it was kind of cheesy and he didn't want it, he didn't want people to see it as, oh, he's just trying to make a song out of the slogan of treat people with kindness. Mm -hmm. But then I think the people that he works with influences him a lot and basically has said to him, dude, you just got to do what you want to do. And if you like the song or if you just want to throw it on there because it's fun or because it describes some part of you, whatever that might be, then you should go with it. And I think that's what he ended up doing. And he said that now he really does like the song. He was just skeptical about it at first. And also, I didn't like it at first when I listened to it. Like, I remember the first time I ever heard the song, I was like, okay, I see you. This isn't bad. But then when I kept listening to it, I was like, I don't really vibe with it as much. Yeah. And now I've kind of flipped back around because anytime this song comes on, if I just like have his albums on shuffle or if it's just like on a playlist of mine that I'm listening to, I never skip it. Like I always start bopping and dancing. I remember me and my friend Maddie, who I've talked about before in this episode, we saw the like names of all the songs before the album actually came out because they released all the names of the songs. And we were like, one of them's called Treat People With Kindness. So, like, we know that one's not going to be that great. Just because it is his slogan. And we were like, okay, he was just, like, trying to make He's a song out of it. it. But I kind of surprised myself. When I listened to it, I was like, okay, I kind of get it now. And I think yeah. he did a great job with it. And I think it's I think it's a great song. And also, it's deep. Like, all this stuff is deep. Even though it is, at first glance, it might be kind of cheesy. The bridge is all we ever want is automatic all the time. Which is so true. Like, he's basically saying, maybe we could all just be kind. Which is kind of, like, a silly thing to put into... Like, obviously, yeah. Right. But then he throws around this line that's saying, all we ever want is automatic all the time. Which, to me, is powerful because it's basically saying it's really easy for us to get... At least the way that I've interpreted it is it's really easy for us to get in a routine or get into a mindset that it's really okay to be judgmental of other people and to not always be our kindness. And what he's trying to say is let's go against that. And so even though... And it's like kindness is kind of the easiest thing to do. Just do it. Yeah, but it's not always the easiest. You know what I mean? Like it should be the easiest. But what he's saying is y'all might think that this is silly for me writing a song about treating people with kindness, but in the bridge he's like, all we ever want is automatic, and sometimes automatic is not being very kind, and I think that's just true. Yeah. So he highlights all of it. He gets a, he digs down deeper, even yeah. if it's in a silly little song like, maybe we could treat people with kindness. Yeah. And finally... The last song on the album. <laughs> Fine line. I... When we were writing notes for what we wanted to say about this song, for a while I was kind of at a loss of words on what to say. And I kind of still am, honestly. Because I, think... I don't want to do it a disservice. Yeah. <laughs> I think this song is genius in its simplicity, but it also doesn't feel simple. A lot of the words are repeated. The first half of the song is like real songs with verses and choruses. And the last like three minutes or so is just will be a fine line will be a fine line. And it's, and again, I, his use of repetition is not empty. so well. It works so well. And this song, to me, feels extremely transcendent. There's something about it that 
kind of shakes you to your core and you kind of feel it in every part of yourself. And I honestly, I don't think this song gets enough credit. I don't see people talking about, I mean, I see people talking about it a little bit, but I don't hear people raving about this song as much as they do songs like Falling and Cherry and Golden. And even, even like Adore You. Yeah. People love Adore You. It's his number one on Spotify too. Yeah. Which is rightfully so. Yeah. There's no, but no shape. This song just feels so brilliant to me. And the simple phrase, will be a fine line, will be all right, is so Which, good to me. Story time, by the way, on, I found this thing on Twitter that was basically, gave you a timestamp for what time you should start playing yeah. the song <laughs> if you want to hear Harry sing to you, will be all right, when the clock strikes midnight yeah, at New Year's. That. So we both were sitting, we were some, we were both at other people's houses for New Year's and at like 11... 56 30 something whatever the timestamp was we press play and fine line and then if you listen obviously close enough and as soon as it hits like 11 59 59 and then 12 it says we'll be all right yeah. so i went into this decade with harry styles singing to me we'll be all right <laughs> so good and but yeah i just love that line i think it feels really simple but it's still so rich and real and true and I feel like it sums up the whole album so well and it feels like throughout this whole album he's been so self-deprecating and beating himself up and it's been really hard for him but in this last song it's kind of like he feels at least a little bit of resolution and like we'll be all right like it'll be okay and yeah. I love that and I love the message of fine line because at least to me what I take from the song is that I think it just sends the message that the end of a relationship can be and frequently is complicated and it teeters back and forth between this middle ground of still caring for each other but also not being in the same relationship that you were in before and yeah. the I think the reason that it sums up the album so well is because he walks us through like we've been talking about for the past half an hour he walks us through these emotional phases of getting really excited about a new relationship and then falling into deep insecurity and missing the one that you were with and then kind of building that back up and feeling more optimistic and now he's saying we're gonna teeter on this fine line and I care about at least to me I don't know if this is what Harry feels about it but I think that he's saying something along the lines of we can find this middle ground of a fine line yeah it's so complex and it's so gray and that's what I love so much about it. Right. Is that it really And just... he walks us through the times in his life that didn't feel so gray. Do you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like yeah. he was in this and time in his back, life. He can kind of give it more perspective yes. and understand how it, it kind of just works out that way. And right. it kind of feels, yeah. And so if you take this song alone, you can get a lot out of it just as a song about finding, at least to me, the middle ground of an ended relationship. But also you can look at it within the context of the entire album and it makes so much sense because it summarizes all of the phases of a relationship that he just addressed in all of his other songs yeah. which also have their own stories within them thank you so much for listening to the first special episode of the behind the backdrop podcast special thanks to ian handeland for composing our intro music and megan hine for designing our logo we'll see you next month when we analyze the masquerade of phantom of the opera